try out. This is going to be a beta test, and we want to get your feedback after we get done. Um, we're gonna do we're gonna do a few things this episode. Oh, we got some. We're mixing it up, Damien. We're giving you maximum value. After seven years, we got to keep things fresh. Gotta gotta keep them on their toes. They don't know what's going on. So, <laughs> the first things first. We are definitely going to review the creator. The creator, the creator. by Gareth Edwards, everyone's favorite Rogue One uh, director. Rogue One. He also directed a film called Monsters, a film called okay. Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But Rogue One's probably yeah. his most. Uh, Famous in his repertoire. Monsters, on not to be confused with Monster or Monsters Inc. or Monsters Inc. Two, Monsters University. <laughs> Completely different movies. These are very different movies. He has a yes. bit of his own style. Yeah. Uh, that style, I'll be curious. You've seen Monsters, I have not. Um, I'm curious, and I have seen Godzilla with you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, that Rogue One aesthetic was very present in Godzilla. It was very present in this movie. Um, it's not quite. It is almost a Wes Anderson Instagram filter, but instead of being pastel, we went for a little bit more muted colors. And thankfully, very uh, few, uh, what's the J.J. Abrams thing he loves to do in Star uh, Trek? Lens flares. Lens flares, yeah. that's right, kids. Yeah, so it has a little bit of a Star Trek feel to it in spots, but thankfully, no lens flares. Yes. He likes dark stuff. Mm. Uh, Monsters is almost exclusively in the, in the dark time uh, at Ben's night. Favorite. Yeah, but it's okay, because it's a good film. Okay. Rogue One was dark for a lot of it, but of course, the beginning was in daylight, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Godzilla, really dark. Yeah, really very, very dark. dark. Very shaky. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this movie um, features Ben's favorite tenant actor. John David Washington. John David Washington. Uh, also has... Uh, Ken, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe, Allison Janney in her yes. first... I think it's her first sci-fi slash action role. Yeah, and also probably with her first really short haircut. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I did not know she was in this movie, so when she started talking, I was like, cool, it's yeah. CJ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... Pretty, you know, pretty good, you know. A lot of B actors yeah. in here, a lot of character actors. The one guy with the really gravelly voice is the general. He was in The Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, uh, uh, yes. Thank you. He was from The Vivitch. Yeah, The Vivitch. I was trying to place him all movie. Yes. That, thank you very much for connecting that for And me. newcomer, what's her name, kid? Is This mm-hmm. is her first role ever. Really? Yes. First role ever. Uh, occasionally, you'll strike gold. Yeah. This was a uh, pretty quality role and yeah. well done by this child actor whose name escapes me. Yeah. But she is the uh, really the MacGuffin, the, the focal point in the film, yes. which is really about artificial intelligence and what is a soul, what constitutes yes. uh, a life that's worth living and saving and creating and lots of existential things like that it's set in the future but please give us a little bit of a premise here damien yeah well uh that is that is the premise is it is set in the future it's set in a kind of a slightly adjacent future where uh this robotic space age of the 50s sort of continued on and actually advanced faster than it did in our time so you do have AI, uh, basically replicants. Effect, you know. Sorry, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. They're, they're yeah. Very much. There's very much a lot of the same. Um, there's a lot of the same motifs in this movie as there was in Blade Runner, with a heaping healthy helping of uh, commentary on racism, uh, American imperialism, mm. anti-war themes. Um, Gareth or whoever wrote this, they had some things that they needed to, to get off their chest about the world as they see it and the direction we're going. And uh, AI's role in that in terms of, uh, you know, will this be a good thing or a bad thing for humanity? And uh, based off the first few seconds being that the AI 
nuked Los Angeles off the map. Yeah. Uh, they, they set us up pretty strong on um, AI's bad. Um, really interesting considering that uh, we just just this week had a huge success uh, for the Writers Guild of America. Yes. Protecting our uh, human writers from AI taking their jobs. Chat GBT and such. Very hopefully the uh, Actors Guild gets to have the exact same success. Um, but yeah, there's this very much a Blade Runner for our time. Yeah, lots of DNA from other films in this. It's it's on its face, yes, kind of an original story, but yeah. there's a lot of borrowing. First yeah. thing, first five minutes, boy, that looks a lot like Skynet, right. Terminator 2. Like Even the sounds of the laser guns they're using in the ships they're flying mm -hmm. reek of James Cameron. But there's also DNA of a little bit of Rogue One in there, a little bit of Aliens in there, a lot of Blade Runner in there. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, the, even like the AI thing with the hollowed out back of the head, I think I first saw that in Spielberg's AI yeah. back in whatever, 2000 or whatever Ooh, it was. Oh, boy. That, that's, yeah. Uh, and Not then, a film I like to watch again. And Didn't enjoy honestly, it. And uh, like I said, uh, Gareth ch takes a lot of inspirations from what are clearly his favorite actors. There's a lot of uh, Christopher Nolan in this. There's yeah. a little bit of Danny Boyle in this. There's a little bit of this that and the other um a little bit of francis ford coppola a little a lot of spielberg you know old spielberg and that's okay we uh, people from borrow a, from, from each video, other yeah. artists uh, borrow from other artists artists borrow great artists steal yes and uh yes. that's definitely evident in this movie um but like ben said the child who uh for a lot of this movie, I'm trying to remember. There's another movie where the child, well, besides well, a the, lot of besides them, the like, Golden Child, starring Eddie. Murphy. Oh, please don't so, go yeah, there. There's a lot of parallels here because again, we have this child in Southeast Asia, just like the Golden Child by, with Eddie Murphy. Well, Eddie Murphy serves as this surrogate father yes, figure who's trying it, to get him out of a situation. It's a lot of this is a sequel to the Golden Child sure, with Eddie Murphy. With Eddie Murphy, this is a direct sequel to that movie is what we're saying. Eddie Murphy's gonna watch this. And go, didn't I do this back in 1980? Uh, yeah, there's a lot no, of things that he's going to look at that and go, I just want to party all the time can't sing anymore we'll get copyright struck um yeah there's lots of things you're going to see in this yeah. that remind you of other movies not just sci-fi stuff but the uh like the last of us yes. that, I, that was a huge theme in this of you know a person that's like a, you know, a good at everything outdoorsman rogue maybe a mercenary mm -hmm. helping save a very important small person yes uh for a special mission but also at the same time suffering from what I call diehard one Bruce Willis disease of, yes, he's good at everything and he gets the crap kicked out of him <laughs> all the time. Yes. So they, they do a very good job of keeping his, his character, Joshua. Um, you know, he's not a Superman. He's not Rambo 2 First Blood. He doesn't have an infinite ammo clip. And, no, you know, thankfully there, no. There's, yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that, you know, that make this fresh take on a sci-fi concept really really refreshing um with callbacks to lots of stuff we love this is very much a gareth edwards uh made a lot of really good connections while working with lucasfilm and said hey i need uh i need to have some really good looking special yeah. effects grafted onto people there's gonna be lots of folks running around with partial green suits on mm -hmm. um you know we're gonna show some representation with our with our main hero being uh, paraplegic and mm -hmm. uh, you know all the things that come with that. So, a very very interesting take on, like you said, a not necessarily original concept, but not wholly original. There's but. one other genre that you and I that you didn't point out, mostly due to your lack of exposure to it. That this entire movie rang exactly like this for me. And the truth of the matter is that you have seen Akira. Oh yeah. And yeah. this movie is Gareth Edwards going, 
M. Night Shyamalan ruined Last Airbender. No one's okay. making live action anime correctly. Uh, Ghost in the Shell was trash, and Dragon Ball Z was trash. And the trick is, let me make a live action anime. If you were to, we've talked about all the things that it had tropes from. This had every trope. It had, if you remember, in Akira, you have a spaceship laser weapon. You do, yeah. And we saw him at the end when uh, Tetsuo was standing there on the little mound there and goes down. You remember in Akira, uh, Tetsuo has telekinetic yes. ability to deal with electricity and things yes. like that. Now, this is a little more technology specific. You have, you have soldiers involved. You oh, have yeah. uh, you know, the government involved. You have class system involved. Absolutely. All these things that we see in Akira 30-something years ago. Yes. So this, you know, of, uh, of all the things, I just, uh, yes, I kept going, yep, Skynet, yep. Uh, Blade this, Runner, that, yeah. yeah. But at every so often, my brain would go, Akira, Akira, Akira. And it just kept happening from the relationships because that was one of the things that American sci-fi movies don't generally do is focus on that familiar familial relationship beyond the last of us father-daughter this movie had a very effective we had a mother that granted yeah. they still put her in a refrigerator we had an uncle we had these family moments we had these connections that are very much serious anime tropes and um and I have to say serious anime because those of you who know anime know what I mean between like <laughs> this and one piece there's there's serious and then there's uh shonen for for kids anyways this movie did such a great job of just taking everything I love from every genre of entertainment that I enjoy, including the score. Yeah, the score was it, respectful. Yeah. yeah, throwing it into a blender and going, "Here you go, I, Damien. I have made you a movie." And I'm curious if that's the same with you, Ben. If you had that same kind of connection. Um, I think you're more into I'm the anime thing. Over, yeah, yeah. fanboying over this movie. Yeah, a you bit. are because you're you're more of the anime part. You right. are more of certain genres here that really. And it's not a it's not a a, a fast action movie. You have to have yeah. some patience that goes along with this. So it's like, hey, we don't want to race through this scene. We want you to look at what you're what you're seeing here and absorb it. Absorb the costumes and the set design, the pacing and the I mean the sets alone. Yeah. It really that's one thing this movie did really well. I think it had a budget of like eighty million, which is yeah. like nothing, right, right. compared to yeah. Marvel. So how did they get like a Marvel-looking movie without the Marvel budget? And obviously they didn't have the cast to go along with it. I didn't see any Mark Ruffalo's here. But there is a great team behind this movie that did a lot of seamless um, world building. Yes. With with uh, with sci-fi themes that you've seen before that did remind me of Blade Runner in many respects. But it felt like its own thing too. Yeah. Um, well, and, and the biggest thing in Blade Runner is let's have some massive buildings. Big buildings, big slopey buildings. Big slopey buildings. Yeah, let's have, and let's have some. And the best part was this movie being set in or urban and rural and yeah. you know, just seeing that mix of just because technology has gone so far, for, far forward, we're not getting rid of poverty. We're not getting rid of oppression. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, there's just some of those some of those extremely poor people are robots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a little bit of, I want to say, District 9. I want to mm. say a little bit in there, oh, too. Oh, there's some District 9 in yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, so, no again, aliens, again, still, again, the yeah. borrowing of things. But we're not saying yeah. too much about the plot here. Yeah. It's a pretty I'm, simple plot. Yeah. Uh, you know, he needs to, he has a, a conscious, a crisis of conscience to know, oh, I'm supposed to kill this thing that's, you know, the end-all, be-all AI destructor of humanity, but it's a child, yeah. and then he, he he learns more about it. It's about listening and getting to know that child, and well, what's the real purpose here. And, and he also starts to get some perspective on yeah. maybe what he's been fed 
So let's go total recall. Well, there's what that. He's been, what he's been fed may not there's be lots of little things about propaganda, including the kid watching cartoons that has the big nomad spaceship yes. there. Like, oh, this is like the mission of whatever. Like, you must believe this because it's packaged in a way for a kid to absorb absorb yes. that. So there's there's propaganda ish, which is great subtext mm-hmm. for the movie. So um, just like Gareth Edwards' favorite color palette, there's lots of shades of gray. There's lots of gray, grays and dark blues, and very much so. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, the scenes where they would have things like corn or whatever, just to make that color pop yeah. in oh, this gray world, green, was very, red. very interesting. Um, I, so, I didn't. I mean, I, I like, I like the genre. I do. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think you glob on to more of the anime part yeah. of it. So you caught more things than I did in that. I was more focused on like the. the political side of it and the uh, cat and mouse game and I mean gosh good is this the first time we've seen Alice and Janney in this kind of role I can't think of any other things she she's is, done well I've seen her in a lot of, I've seen her do sitcoms I've seen Ooh, her yeah. do other stuff West like, Wing she, she's got a, she's got a very good range um, but no this is the first time I've seen her in honestly a Sigourney Weaver role yeah and yeah. oh yeah there's another thing they're kind of ripping off Avatar um, yeah kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so the kid becomes the unobtainium yeah <laughs> well um, they give her they give her a little bit of humanity saying you know like I lost both yeah, my sons in the war yeah. and so you have a little bit of empathy towards her so it's not just black and white she, yeah, bad and good she's not in this movie. chewing the scenery no one's chewing the scenery actually no the, the closest to scenery chewing is the Vivich and it's just because <laughs> whatever his name is yeah and it's just because he's fulfilling this role uh, he's fulfilling more of a expositional role whereas Allison Janney's uh, role is more she is part of the story she's obviously going to be bought into this ideology because it has impacted her in a life-changing and tangible way yeah that's and your motivation that, that emotional impact every every time we walk out of these movies every so often we'll go what was that you know why did that matter motivation is usually the first thing that gets dropped off on side characters in a lot of movies these right. days. So just they're there to push a scene forward, yeah. whatever, X, Y, Z role. if you're the DCEU, motivation is also dropped off from the main characters. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm only saying that because we saw the new Aquaman trailer. And yes. Like, oh, I forgot that was going to exist. <laughs> um, so this, Gareth spent a lot of time, there is not a person who has more than one line in this movie that you don't get some sort of motivation for why they are the way they are. A little bit. Yeah, from like the the, the guy that was like, uh, yeah, 30 seconds to tell you something and then we're not going to go into why, but and he's concerned about his wife and it's like, oh, we have this little moment with this person. Like, these aren't just things. They're not just, you know, the, the mindless drones of warriors out there in Marvel movies out yeah. there. These have, these are existing things, yes. whether they're real, birthed, or made in a factory, which we saw some of that too, by the Very way. True. Which is kind of cool. Um, it just it, it allows you to be more immersive into the world, which I appreciate. It's not just like this blank slate of like, oh, I guess this is the world. We're not going to go more than an inch deep. You get to know this world. You yes. get to feel it and to hear it, and it kind of sucks. And it, yes. there's lots of great things with you know with AI, and they're like you said from the 50s on, advancing way faster. So they're like they're part of they they cook our burgers, they take our trash out, they fight in our wars. Like, will there be a day one day, Damien, when we're alive and this happens? Um, no. Because the, uh, the the biggest difference is that um, the AI revolution that takes over the world will not be driven through political entities. They will be corporations. Yeah, the mm. Apple Deathbot 13XR will be the one that wipes out most humanity because of a bad update. Yeah. Um, no, uh, so I've been, I've been loving on this movie. Let me tell you what I didn't like. 
uh, I feel like I just got done running a couple miles. It's long. It's, it's two long. and a half hours. It's long, but it, it didn't feel like two and a half hours to me. Honestly, when you got up to use the restroom twice, I was yeah. like, he just went. And I realized, oh, wait, no, he, he didn't just went. It's been a while. It's been a minute, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I also um, drank a gallon of soda. Yeah, fair enough. But um, it's for all, of the, for all of the things that make this movie great about having these backstories and all of this, there's a lot of lore that you're holding on to that they trust you to hold on to. I appreciate that. Um, there's a lot of characters. I mean, there's a lot of characters. Yeah. And keeping all of that stuff going and just the emotional investment, it was it was exhausting. I don't know if it was exhausting in a, oh, man, I feel good. I just got back from the gym. I'm exhausted. Or I'm exhausted. It's 98 degrees outside, and I've been walking 10 feet, and I want to die because it's Chattanooga, Tennessee. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss. I'm kind of, uh, I just know that. I feel like I need a nap. <laughs> well, the movie doesn't pander to all audiences. Like yeah. we're gonna have, we're gonna have an essential character that this is their first time experiencing this world that we're gonna follow along with, much like Ellen Page's character in like Inception, right? Or you know that we're kind of okay. This is my person that will be asking the questions that I'm asking in the yeah. audience. This is a world that's been going on a very, very long time, and we're opening the door for it for a couple hours and it's closing the door. Yeah. There's a whole lot of narrative, a whole lot of norms, a whole lot of terminology. And thankfully, at the very beginning, the first thing you see is a definition from a dictionary of what nirmata is, yeah. which is the you know, end-all, be-all, alpha and omega AI yeah. out there that the AI worships. Uh, so there's that. They give you that. But then it's like, boom, we're just going. Like, oh, we just yes. hold on for this. What, what's this? And what does that mean? And what's that technology? And who's this person? Well, they're all living in this world. So it's... I like movies that challenge me, not to the point that Tenet challenged me. Yes. But uh, this movie is, like I said earlier, not for all audiences. Absolutely. It, there's yeah. not going to be a lot of patience given to this movie, much like Arrival, or, yes. uh, or your, you know, even Blade Runner 2049, which was even slower than this. Yeah, um, true. So it's not going to be a Marvel movie. It's not going to be. Um, I don't even know how to compare it to anything. It's just kind yeah. of a good thing. It's all the things. It's all the things. So um, the second thing I have a complaint. Because I have to have at least date. Da all right, Damien's patented. We're gonna we're gonna copyright it. Damien's patented one technical issue. Ooh, how big's a nomad? Uh, very large. It's yeah. very large. Is it in space or is it in the atmosphere? See, that's the question I had too. I think <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's I think it's atmosphere. I don't think it's space. But yeah. they show space parts too. Like, well, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Up and down, it's going. What's going on? And um, also, I, I recognize that the uh, the International Space Station, for example, is yeah. in orbit. It or orbits the entire planet every ninety minutes. It's very, very fast. It's very high. Yes. What it doesn't do is go from Europe to Asia and back to Africa. Just whenever you need it to be in the scene, close enough to. See, if you've ever seen the International Space Station as it goes by, if you've ever been outside, it's a very tiny dot that yeah, flies real fast. Real fast. And I get that this is very large, but then we have a scene with a human body on a missile right. on the side of it. Right. Oops, now I have scale. Hmm. <laughs> So that is Damien's. I, I can't talk about it much because it's so spoilery. But that is Damien's I know what technical thing about. was that that the the giant space station weapon was either the size of Connecticut or an aircraft carrier. 
And while both things are big, one of those things is much bigger well, than yeah, the other. Yeah, and that's what it's like. The second part is what, I mean, the, the size of Connecticut, what it, look, it felt like to me when you yeah. look at the scale of it and see the explosions going on. Like, it, it is a sizable, you know, Karelian, you know, Star yeah. Wars thing out there in space or the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, shooting lasers down, you know, scanning things. But and in some scenes, it's the Death Star. In some scenes, it's a Corvette. So, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really weird how there was no consistency on that. If they had told me that there were multiple, I would be I would have an easier yeah. time. But it's the end all be all one. Is yeah. there's yeah. one? Yeah. And sometimes it's way up in space and it's really big, and sometimes it's it appears to be just you know just hanging out in the sky. It it that little bit of switching back and forth was just kept making my brain go. Kept making my brain go. Nah, something's wrong here. That Neil deGrasse Tyson's going to chew this out. <laughs> okay, well, th- it's not Interstellar, right? They're not trying to be completely factual and Very scientific true. in yeah. space. This is a sci-fi movie, so but there is the law of physics yes. and lack of explanation for moving from one side of the planet to the other in mere seconds. You see a little bit of that too, and other things with like, wait a minute, how did that that quickly? And right, uh, but you know, hashtag it's because of movie. Yes, it, it has. It just has to happen. You can't I re- just say. I recognize the wizard, the r- wizard law. I I am less forgiving of movies that present themselves as hard science fiction. Yeah, which yeah. is what this movie did. You're right. It's not Interstellar, but it's trying very hard to apply scientific or science fiction to real world problems. And because of that. When you lean one way, yeah. When you tell me that this is this is a possibility in your future, yeah, then you're telling me, hey, we're going to play by these rules. I even had a problem with there was one vehicle that floated. Yeah, well, yeah, um, and, and well, the vehicle, and then there was a, a ship that floated too on the water a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, you know, there, I can get around something, but yeah, floating on floating anti grav, not established in this movie, right? Um, all of the helicopter things sounded like helicopters. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. The jets were had like engines. The jets and had, had like floaty things. The like rockets have rockets. Yeah. 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 It's like in Star Wars, where you have the speeders that use anti grav, and then you have ships that use rockets. I'm more okay with that because you're not trying to tell me that this is Earth. This is a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away, with magic. What about Dune with the uh, thopters and then the floating spaceships? Well, that's a very good point. Yeah. And. The reason why I'm okay with that is that they've introduced magic in that movie. The spice. They've introduced they they the, the, the Jesserit, like magic is a part of yes, that universe. It creates hyperspace travel and everything. So yeah. You're allowed to have realism plus fantasy when you tell me that the world that we're in is yeah. fantasy. J- plus just magic. say a thing. Just yeah. say it's because this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well then this world that you gave me a reason, so therefore I believe it because this is a fake world anyway. Yeah. So Listen, there you go. Star Trek showed everyone how to do exactly what you said. The reason why transporters work is because of the Heisenberg compensator. All they had to do was say the words Heisenberg compensator and all the nerds can go, oh, they're compensating for the Heisenberg effect that says you can't measure uh, a particle and uh, know its location at the same time. Okay. They didn't have to go and say all that <laughs> stuff. They just simply had to say the words Heisenberg compensator so that they acknowledged that oh, this go, piece right of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Here's the science. It'd be like, here, behold, here is the uh, the uh, Schrodinger's bipositional cat. Okay. Ah, uh, the bipositional cat. Of course, it is alive and dead. Okay, fantastic. 
So yeah, you, you that, needed a reason why the things didn't quite add up yes. for physics in this movie. But that's, and thus concludes Damien's really boring technical moment. Yeah. All right, Ben, what took you out of this? <laughs> Besides the gallon of liquid I yes. <laughs> ingested in myself, uh, what took me out of the movie? I don't think anything really took me out of the movie. It, it was it, it kind of just it flowed. It was a little slow in parts. I'm like, okay, they didn't move this scene along a little faster, mm-hmm. um, and it wanted me to invest in the characters, and I was I was with it. And when the ending was coming, I'm like, okay, here's the ending. And I, the, I mean, I don't know how long it took you to realize the aha moment in this, the big twist you find out about in Act Three. But I found I, I guessed it in Act. Like, end of act one I'm like I wonder if this is the yeah. case with this character yeah. and it turned out to be that so was it a little predictable yes um, it's a very simple story it yes. doesn't have a lot going for it to get you to XYZ like this but therefore that uh, it just kind of has this and then this and then this and then this there's not a lot of unusual or crazy conflict um, if you're going to world build give me a bit more in terms of the technology i didn't really see a whole lot they really focus on the characters you know the two main characters which is fine it's a point of the movie but if you can do it in a sci-fi world give me some wow give me some really big well, wow if you don't things like the it. empire state building size tanks that could be taken out with one very small bomb on the side <laughs> yeah that there's there's things like that um there there's i don't know it's like you know with, with rogue one yes you had a world to grow from which yeah. is star wars which is amazing okay um but like Godzilla had some like holy crap that was a great sequence there yeah. like the first attack sequence when they when David Strathairn's talking about and they use the 2001 Space Odyssey music and they're going that little ants from the sky flying right. down like that scene is thrilling that is a thrilling scene when they first did the paratroop thing down Godzilla's he's destroying the city I'd watch that's 10 years old now almost it's an incredible scene I didn't get an incredible scene like that in this. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping I'd say, okay, Gareth Edwards, he did Rogue One. The last half an hour of that movie is perfect, except for a little bit of AI at the end with you know certain princess from Alderaan. Um, but I think otherwise Gareth, it's flawless. I think Gareth thought the end scene with the Nomad was supposed to be that, and I don't think it delivered. I don't think it delivered. I think it was just kind of like, okay, you're doing an action thing. Okay, explosive. Yeah. Oh, the last second. Oh, countdown. Oh, all yeah. this stuff. They helped me build this tension. But I was like, you, also, you did these other things. Where was the thing in this? He also set himself for failure a little bit of, okay, we're gonna. the premise of this movie is that one nuclear device was set off in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, therefore, we've built a device that is going to casually lob nuclear devices at cities all over the world, and you're supposed to be okay with that. And it's kind of hard to be like, oh, man, that was an intense explosion when your only options are gun or... Or nuclear warhead. Yeah, yeah. There was very little in between, and you know the the cool stuff was, I think his uh, intent on grounding it in realism, like when um, the replicant cop had his face blown off. Yeah, I was like, that's cool, because it wasn't dramatic. It was just a chunk of his head is missing now, mm-hmm. and now he's dead. I was like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And so he he kept going for, how can I ground this stuff? How can I ground this stuff? And so, therefore, when he did do something big, it was almost comically overkill. Oh, we need to blow up one camp nuclear bomb from a space weapon is the only way to do that. And sometimes the nuclear bombs shoot straight down from it, and sometimes they're cruise missiles for some freaking sometimes, reason. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, just honestly, from a... From a uh, you know, from a logistical standpoint, they, they, they and by the way, they said the Nomad cost a trillion dollars. Um, that is incredibly cheap. I don't think that they, <laughs> I think the, I think the, uh, the riders thought that that was like nothing. And I'm like, no, a trillion dollars is nothing. <laughs> it, yeah. 
<laughs> we spent eight times stuff. that during the last administration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on things. Is, when you're trying to build a thing in space, unless you are actually able to build it in space, meaning like you're harvesting asteroids and keeping that stuff up there and it never comes down, or, and you're never shipping stuff up from well, the Well, they, they grow crops, Damien. We saw that. You know, oh, what's that movie with uh, the guy that, you know, has gardens in space? He's growing oh, it. Silent, Silent Running. Silent Running. Yeah. Such a good movie. Yeah. Oh, man. You have a little bit of that there. So it's not just like a big weapon in space. Yeah. People yeah, live well, there. People live there. It's probably a Best Buy. And the great news is that they got it done for the bargain price of a trillion dollars. Because I'm <laughs> telling you, a trillion dollars for a, for a space weapon that size. That size is a bar- like they got it on clearance well it's like that spaceship from Spaceballs. if i create the petting zoo like what's well, it called yeah, the- spaceball one <laughs> honestly more effective weapon um mega made <laughs> and she went from suck uh, blow to suck You're right and all the things like <laughs> that thing was massive and they showed it that, honestly mel brooks got his perspective more right <sighs> in Spaceballs. Anyways, anyways. Anyways, anyway, we digress, yeah. Listeners, you're not here to listen to us talk about a movie. You're here to listen to us give you sound financial advice. For seven years, that's all we've been doing. Times yeah. are tough, although gas is actually back down. I got gas for 280 something Is it really that low here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's so, gas like in your neighborhood, listeners? Yeah, uh, let someone else know. I'm not interested. And um, things are expensive. Going to the movies is definitely one of them. For example, Ben and I, we drive halfway across Hamilton County to get right. to Northgate 14 um, and burning hundreds of gallons of gasoline and uh, putting wear and tear on our vehicles. And, you know, we're, we're having to make sacrifices. Uh, are, are Ben and I ever going to have kids or are we going to go see these movies? We have made this sacrifice for you. We are seeing the movies. Separately, by the way. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, well, <laughs> Ben and I might have a kid together that's a uh, replicant that we'll have to save so that we can ship it. Anyways, that's the premise of this movie. <laughs> um, so what we've done is that using uh, grounded, realistic, real-world uh, scientific technology, uh, actual applicable, we, uh, we, we refuse to use ChatGPT. We refuse right. to use even other advanced um, computational things such as Microsoft Excel. And grounding ourselves in real-world physics. Real-world physics. We are literally sitting on the ground in a pickup truck right now. Yes. And we realized in a very Einsteinian, Copernican, um, um, Pythagorean. Ooh, Galilean. Uh, Galilean, fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, Newtonian. Um, Muskian. Well, no, no, not Muskie. Yeah, no, no, we don't go there. No, no, because no, then the math will be off. Because he's actually not smart. He hires people to be smart for him. Well, and Ben, you and I, we came up with this formula ourselves. There it is. It is called the Hunt Power Algorithm. Okay. It is published in magazines all around the world. Uh, just look for them. That'll give you something to do this afternoon. And um, the algorithm states that thou shalt not create a movie rating scale. Greater than four, nor less than. Now, it sounds like we're using Boolean, and, you know, that's somewhat true. You could possibly create a, uh, you know, a regex, a regular expression to to calculate this, to check our math. But what we have determined is that if you have a four-point scale, you can impart the maximum amount of financial information needed to plan your entire family's financial health, estate, set your will, you know, make stock picks. Um, you're going to be able to, to to raise and fall entire nation GDP's worth of brilliant economic information 
through these four points. Reminding for a sponsor here, aren't we? Like, this is how important we are. The value device yes. here is so critical yes. that, you know, the audience and is slobber really bones. Grow. I haven't even mentioned this to you yet. Please reach out anyway. Slobber bones no is where Damien gets his dog. What toys, food, everything, food, everything, everything. They're that, in town here, and we're yeah. thinking about using yeah, the, we're, or we're trying asking to, them to be our maybe. sponsor. Yeah, it won't be much. If they could just help me with the dog food bill, that'd be nice. Anyways, um, yeah. So four points, right? The fourth one is, I just walked out of the movie. My mind was blown. I think I may get a lot more enrichment by seeing this movie again, by doubling down, by doubling my investment in this film, seeing it in a theater. Uh, perhaps, maybe you saw it on a relatively small screen on, let's say, an AMC 14, and you may be able to benefit from seeing it on a larger screen, yeah. such as a Big D or an IMAX or something along those yeah. lines. Or, you know, just, just maybe just see it again to pick up what you missed. That is a see it twice, baby. That is a number four. You gots to gots to see it twice. It's so good. Three is a still extremely respectable. Go see it in the theater. That's it. You're Once. still making a major investment here. Um, you need to see this. It's not just your money. It's your time. Right. And, you know, time is short. You don't get it back. It's about, what, half an hour with the commercials, trailers, and Nicole Kidman. Two hours and 13 minutes, I think, is the run time for the film. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, time and, 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 and all beverage. the things and then traversing across town and whatever commute yeah. looks like for you to find the best local Cineplex. And, and you're uh, also going to be doing massive damage to your kidneys. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Ben bought the child sized drink here, which, of course, uh, just like in Parks and Rec, the cup is the size of a child, right, which is why it's child sized. And, um, <laughs> you know, so you're drink you're, you're, you're actually putting your health at risk. So three is three is seat in the theater. Remember, four is seat it twice, three is seat in the theater. Two is, once again, still respectable. I'm honestly, at this point, I have so many subscriptions that I'm back to basically where I was before I was a cord cutter. So I, I've got the Disney. I've got the Max. Everything. I've got the, the Paramount. Nebula, i got the Paramount Plus. CBS. I've got the Peacock. Uh, Paramount is CBS. Okay. i got the Peacock for the NBC the Disney. stuff. i got Disney Plus. i got Hulu. I've got right. Netflix. Discovery? Well, Discovery owns HBO, so... Yes, yeah. but the Discovery Plus app is slightly different than what's in Max, which is weird because Max has Discovery stuff, so I still keep the Discovery because my mom needs it. Got it. So still a major investment, but a lot more convenience. So watch it on a streaming platform, on yeah. your home theater, on your laptop, on the back of a airplane seat, on your way to wherever the hell Ben's going to next. Um, maybe that's just the best way to see it, and that is a two. And just slightly below that, and by slightly I mean all the way down into the depths of a black hole, uh, a singularity crushing Singularity. Your soul from having seen this film, uh, light cannot escape, thought cannot escape, there's nothing but uh, uh, Hawking's radiation radiating out from this dying dead star of a movie of just sadness and despair. Yeah. You're, you, you, are, you, you have Meg to the trenched your whole day. And you're not going to be able to do another movie podcast for weeks as you seek therapy and help. You're on, you get, get a substance abuse project uh, pr problem. You get off the substance abuse program. Now you're in 12 steps talking about Meg to the trench because of just how bad it was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I say Meg to the trench? A couple I'm times. At, yeah. I'm you, at Meg to colon the trench. You're, you're stuck in like that sub world, like the, the end all be all uh, where Ken Watanabe was in Inception. Yes. You know, the end, of, the below, the below, the below yes. the dream sequence. Or you're behind the bookcase in Interstellar and other such well, deep no, films. No, 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 no. This, no. It is the hell 
that is portrayed in snippets that make you lose sleep from Event Horizon. Ooh, ooh! If you if you only saw a movie that was just the hell parts from that movie oh. on the for two hours, that is somehow, despite being the most disturbing thing you could possibly imagine, still What's the phrase? still Le- better. Liberate tutame ex inferis. Exactly. <laughs> Save yourself yes. from hell. Yes. Yes. Uh, that movie definitely scared lots of things out of yes. me back in 1997. Um, so, in other words, a one indicates that it is a poor film. Uh, as based on that description that we just gave. Oh, quite, a, quite a long description, yeah. yeah. So, four, see it twice. Three, go see it. Two, stream it. One, run away screaming. Ben Hunt, Esquire. Oh, ooh, 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 Esquire. Are you, are you like Ted Theater or Logan over here? Gnarly. <laughs> um, what are you going to give? The Creator. The Creator. The Creator. I think this movie, you should see it on the big screen. Uh, I think if you watch it at home streaming... The pacing of it's not going to keep your attention. You're going to play on your phone. You're yeah. going to play a video game. Yeah. You're going to watch it in chunks. It, it the big screen makes you say, "Ah, captive audience, mm. look at me. Uh, look at the scale of what I'm giving you here." It's not quite as impressive as Dune. Right. Uh, it's not as quite as impressive, honestly, as some scenes in Blade Runner 2049. That was a very flawed movie. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's worth seeing in the theater once. It's mm. a three for me. Uh, it, it didn't capture me to the emotional height I was hoping it was going to bring me to yeah. with other Gareth Edwards uh, uh, joints, let's call them. Sure. Uh, Godzilla blew me away when I saw I was like, it's a simple movie, but I'm having a great time. Popcorn, right. popcorn, popcorn. Uh, Rogue One, a blast. Yeah, you, you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. When you know what's going to happen in a plot and it still grips you, like Apollo 13, if it's a true story, yeah, whatever it is, true. and it still grips you, that's a sign of a good director, good storytelling. Uh I, I didn't know exactly where this movie was going to go at the end. I had a good estimation, uh, but the roller coaster I was hoping it would be wasn't there. Uh, it was still a good movie, yeah. still very quality film making. Like you said, there wasn't any like cringeworthy moments. No one's chewing the scenery. Right. John David Washington's a very—he's a good actor. He's yeah. fine, and I think any kind of like, chewing thing scenery-wise would have distracted from that. You didn't need like a Mel Gibson in here oh, yeah. yelling and oh. Oh, this is crazy. I gotta make the scene more emotional. Yeah, the most yelly person is Allison Janney, and you believe her when she yells. Yeah, she's great. CJ's great. Yeah. Uh, so it's a three for me. What about you? All right, so uh, this is a four for me because Ooh. I do wish now that I could have seen this on a bigger screen. Yeah. Um, we walked this, in there going, oh, it's a small screen. Yeah. What are you going to do? And there is a ton of detail. I think about my dad when he, when he got a DVD player. My dad was one of those guys that paused movies to check out everything yeah in a scene um he loved doing that and this is that kind of movie where i kind of think i missed a lot because i had kind of just a, a you know a tunnel vision view of this film being on a kind of small screen i do wish i had seen it on another one um with that being said i'm giving it a high three because if i had seen this on a bigger screen I wouldn't need to go see it again. Uh, and I have that op- opinion about all of Gareth Edwards' movies. Okay. Uh, I don't need to see Godzilla again. Wow. Uh, I did see. I did watch Rogue One again, mostly because uh, I was just looking to scratch some sort of Star Wars itch between um, Mandalorian and Ashoka. And uh, I was like, hey, this is great. Bah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gareth Edwards does really good stories that you really only need to see once. And so I am giving it a, a three, but I will say if you're going to see it in the theater, it's a high three of go get a bigger screen. Go get the best experience yeah. you can because you're only going to want to see it once. It's kind of what I used to call them spinach movies of 
they're good for you to see. You don't want to eat them every day. And um, you know, this isn't this isn't Star Trek. This isn't Star Wars. This isn't you know all the sci-fi stuff that I can watch repeatedly on in forever. It's good to see it, not a franchise movie. Too. Yeah, absolutely. This is not a franchise film. We, we need more of those. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So definitely go see it and see it on the biggest screen you can. Because we saw trailers for Aquaman. Marvels. Yeah. Uh, we did see the Scorsese trailer, The Killers of the Flower Moon, right. which looks great. We saw that one with um, uh, Paul Giamatti. Yeah. He's like the holdovers. For like I that, that. love that they did it 90s style with the yeah. voiceover and everything. It's in color. I don't know if you noticed that. It's, yeah. They had it on the trailer. It's in color. Yeah. They had it printed. Yeah. Love it. So there are yeah. some original things still floating out there. So please give that money. Yeah. You, you want more of that? Because there's, there's enough franchise things happening. How many more Fast and the Furious or Saw movies do we need? Well, we're only, we're only we at need. Saw 10. Yeah. And we only had Fast 10 this year. Um, so, Ben, let me take this moment to do a little of a segue. Because we're talking about original films. Um, and we're talking about the 90s a little bit. Paul Giamatti. Uh-huh. So, let's do a quick micro-review. That's Ooh. right, my friends. It is 2.37 on the clock. You and I have until 2.45 and no longer okay. to review... Clueless. Clueless. That's right. We have a listener request from our friend yes. Hugo Glazia hey. in England, who reviewed The Blob years ago, if you Indeed. remember recall yep. that episode. Very good. Very good. So 90s, it's obviously a take on Emma Shakespeare. Right, right. But it's 1990, what, four or five? It was that color. Alicia it was, it was, Silverstone. It was very neon. Diane, yes. D- Donald Faison, yes. Dan, Dan Hedaya, other uh, people. All right. And Wallace Shawn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a it's a take on Emma, right? Right, With right, all, right. A lot of a social commentary is mostly absent from it, but the premise is she is a high school sixteen year old who's very clueless as to how the real world works because she grew up with a silver spoon in her mouth, yeah. and she has a character arc that finds out oh she gets things taken away from her, she gets robbed in one scene, mm-hmm. uh, the. Ugly duckling, she makes pretty turns on her. Her friends turn on her. Suddenly, the world is not so cherry rosy friendly yeah. anymore, and we have to. Yeah, there's a lesson there. That's the general premise. And I can't imagine that movie being repeated over and over again. Legally Blonde Barbie. <laughs> can't imagine it happening again. So, anyways, uh, why yeah. was it a hit, Damien? Why was Clueless so popular? Well, first off, at least Silverstone, super hot. Paul Rudd, super hot. Yeah. Donald Faison. Pre-scrubs. Pre-scrubs. Super hot. With fake braces on his teeth, by the way, to yeah. hide his small teeth. I read. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was it was kind of uh the beginning of a era of let's take old British lit and turn it into things. Okay. Um it did precede a whole lot of Romeo plus Juliet and it preceded uh it did. You know, Shakespeare in Love and it preceded a lot of expectations with Gwyneth Paltrow and yeah, yeah, lots of Shakespeare kind of a renaissance there. And and I know Emma's not Shakespeare, but like there there was there was a lot of movies that, in the 90s, they said, ah, well, high school kids want to go see movies. Their teachers keep assigning them these boring freaking books. How can we give them the crib notes uh, that they'll enjoy it and extract their money? <laughs> and how we take the world of Beverly Hills 90210 and make it kind of self-effacing yes. and funny yes. and in a nice little packaged movie, not this melodramatic series that's like a television event every week. And, you know, because you also have, you have to remember Xers in particular with Reality Bites and Empire Records. Yeah. They had established themselves as, we're here to sarcastically comment on the world because we recognize the boomers are never going to let us change it. <laughs> 
So it is these talking to the camera. Talk, she, it's like a narrative. It's, yeah. it's a voiceover thing, right? Which you can call lazy, but it's just—it's funny because, like I said, it, it knows what it is. It's making fun of itself. Brittany Murphy's real introduction to the world before yeah. Eight Mile, before all these things. So she was the ugly duckling character. But it's got like iconic lines and funny scenes oh, in it. She comes out in a little white dress down the stairs. She's like, "Shag it in here. What are you wearing? A dress." Says who? Calvin Klein. You know, it's yes. like it's—it's it's got these wonderful little segues between social commentary. Um, and it's just a fun, bright little movie. I will say, I, I came out when I was in high school. In my first, second year in college, I lived next to a guy named Carlos. Carlos! And Carlos, Carlos. Hello, Carlos. Yeah, he's not really a listener. Maybe he'll be after this. He was obsessed with Alicia Silverstone. Okay. And he watched Clueless at least 100 times over the course of a school year. Not a year, wow. a school year. Okay. Every time I walked by his room, there it was again. Obsessed with Alicia Silverstone. But I'm like, okay, it's not the worst movie in the world. But really, 100 times, Carlos? Right. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what motivated behind Alicia factor. Sure. But I uh, about four years ago I was passing through Detroit on the way to Europe in mean, the Sky Club there. I walked by. I thought I think it's Alicia Silverstone. And I walked by her and I looked at her and she looked at me. I was like, oh, that's definitely that's that's her. I know it's her. I didn't bother her. But that's <laughs> why so I texted Carlos. And I took like a little side picture, not too stalkery. Like, is this her? He's like, that's totally her. I can't believe you're seeing her. I'm like, I'm not going to bother her. But he freaked out because he's a super fan. Because that's the Alicia factor back in the 90s. Yes. She landed into that world yes. of cinematic going, who is that? Yeah. And because she was charming and funny and, yes, quite attractive. Yeah. Um, and she was part of kind of the last generation of real movie stars. Like, the the the, the music world, the Taylor Swift's and everyone have sort of taken, the BTS's, they've sort of the taken BTS's. that role. They were there. It bounces back and forth between cinema and music over, over the generations. But, like, once upon a time, people would go see a movie because Alicia Silverstone's in it. Yes. Not Excess not, Baggage with Alicia Del Toro, but yeah. other movies that she was in. She, by the way, she's coming back. A couple films coming out. It's called, I forget what it's called. Anyway, she's coming back. Yeah. Uh, she so, was kind of absent for a while. The but 90s are coming back. She's the it <laughs> yeah, she's the it factor in that movie. It has a great supporting cast. They all have little juicy little roles. And it's just a fun little time capsule of the 90s, you know, like the catchphrases, the whatever, as well, if, ugh. I totally paused, yeah. you know. Uh, and also it was the height of the Californication of American culture because for a long time, you know, culture was New York. Oh, gosh, like, yeah. yeah, everything was New York, and, yeah. And then, then Chicago tried to be a thing, and Los Angeles came out and kicked the door in and said, Behold, Valley Girls. And America wept. That and this is before Mean Girls, by the yes. way, too. Like you think about classic high school movies, Clueless has got to be on that list. Before yeah. that, it was all '80s schlock with Molly Ringwald, right? right. Clueless was kind of the renaissance of that in the mid '90s, and I mean, it launched her career. Uh, if you think of the top five Alicia Silverstone movies, that's probably in it uh, yeah, for sure. Would you name four others? No. <laughs> Of course, I'm not Carlos. Carlos has them ready to go. It's clueless, 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 and clueless. And maybe excess baggage and uh, a few other things. Yeah. yeah. So it's an iconic film. We thank you for the recommendation, Hugo. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the better, I would say, Shakespearean adaptations. Sure. Well, I mean, it wasn't um, Shakespeare, but yeah. What, Emma? Yeah, Emma's not Oh, Shakespeare. forgive me. I'm thinking yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you're Emma thinking, who wrote... Um, uh, you're thinking Ten Things About th Thank you. About yes, yeah. uh, Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. Uh, Emma was written by Jane Austen. Correct. I am so sorry, dear listeners. She's probably it's, screaming yeah. at the microphone now Listen. going, it's not Shakespeare. I think Bill's okay. He's all Bill's right. Like, he's okay. Bill's all right. He, he's done okay with himself. Yeah, years. Jane Austen-ish stuff. Yeah. yeah. And what Emma came out, was it before or after that with Gwyneth Paltrow? Anyway? I think it was before. Was I it before think. then? Okay. I think. But so, we may be wrong, but I will say it was more culturally significant. Should it be remade? 
absolutely not under any circumstances. Yeah. No, of course. What they need to do is the 30 years later sequel, Ghostbusters. Top Gun. With uh, <laughs> with uh, Alicia Silverstone as the old, decrepit 50-year-old. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm so old at 50. <laughs> Let me get my crank phone and call <laughs> Yeah, it's a no. charming Noxima commercial not. of a of a movie. Absolutely, uh, it is a unbelievably good time capsule. If you need to explain the '90s to someone in a yes. ninety-minute format, this is the correct way to do it. Yes, and it, it's 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 universally loved. I went to my friend Alex's wedding over in in England back in seventeen, and every table in the reception it was movie themed yes. either it was like cool. Back to the Future or awesome. Temple of Doom or Raiders and one was a clueless table and they had Dion's hat the big white black yeah. hat they had that and they had the phone this big giant cell phone so anyway it's 245 245 and We're, thus ends the micro review quick what, score what are you going to give it Giving it a four. I'm giving it a four too. All it's right. fantastic that is film. Awesome. That is awesome and now dear listeners our latest new feature for the podcast we're not going to do all these. We're just going to do. We're just going to do three each, okay? Three each. What are, what are we playing here, so Damien? So we are playing the movie movie game. This was created by Joe Bretta, a famous internet comedian and writer who uh, I believe now works for Disney, and uh, he absolutely came up with this idea as a joke, and then everyone loved it, and so he turned it into a home game you can play. The purpose of the movie movie game is that we're going to take two clues and we're going to cram the two clues together now there's a good chance that i may be clueless so there are <laughs> hints to help you get it yes, there the are. solution will be the name of one movie flowing into the name of another movie yes it might be from a syllable it might be from a word but it will connect and so this will make a lot more sense as we start to play it is it's for the it's the, for the cinephiles out there if you're not into movies you're going to be bored to tears of this game because you're not going to get most of the answers here most importantly though is that this gives you guys a chance to yell at your computers or phones as damien forgets things for way too long <laughs> yes and maybe ben too so maybe too i will go first here all right, buddy all right. all right so the premise is a high school wrestler attempts to drop two weight classes so he can wrestle a three-time state champ who happens to also be a jet hating shark Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, this one's tough. This one's a little tougher. A high school wrestler attempts to drop two weight classes this so he can wrestle a three-time state champ who happens to also be a jet-hating shark. So, something West Side Story. Yeah. So, what's hint number one? Hint number one is a supernatural, spiritual journey of native peoples. Nacho this Libre. <laughs> this, this is a... a, a not a hugely popular film. This is a tough one. And right off the start, I don't have a clue. Vision Quest side story. Vision Quest yes. side story. Vision Quest is I a can, very not popular film. I can assure you that I have never heard of that okay. film. Okay, I've All heard right. of it, didn't didn't see it though. Here, let me give you a super hard one also. Okay, this good. one's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> He's fighting to avenge his fallen friend. He's fighting as a metaphorical representation of Cold War America. And He's fighting to lose his delicate flower at the age when one is considered over the hill. Delicate flower. Oh, uh, gosh. Okay, so. And I'm happy to repeat anything. Something 40-year-old virgin. Ooh. Um, so the first part was he was fighting to avenge his fallen friend. He's fighting as a metaphorical representation of cold of Coldwater America. Okay. Uh, yes. Rocky 
uh, and then four. And I just thought uh, blank the next one. I'm like, I just said it too. Uh-huh, you did. Um, you got it. You got it. Rocky so, four. Rocky forty year old virgin. Rocky forty year old virgin. This makes there you, you think, brothers. Yeah, I, I don't know why see, the, the, the title just like poof. Yeah, went out of my I'm brain. I'm telling you, this is the the game does it. It makes you think. It makes All right. you think. Are you ready for number I'm two? Ready for number two. Are you ready, audience? Okay. An amputee takes a promising young Amish lad under his wing in hopes of turning him into a bowling god and then teams up with his father to secure the Holy Grail before those asshat Nazi, before those asshat Nazi folk. So yeah. King Pendiana Jones there it is. and the... Uh, oh, Dean's making a face. He can't think of the last part of that movie. Oh my God! How am I going? Through? How how can how my brain just goes? Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, Crystal Skull. Which one is all it? All of them, but it's not. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, what is it? It is of course King Pendiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, no. King Pendiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Last Crusade. Yes. I was right. Ah, Last Crus- Raiders of the Lost Ark was a standalone film with just that title. They didn't change yes, it to Indiana Jones until the Temple of Doom. Right. That is man. Uh, so therefore, zero and two for Damien. Under pressure. All right. So uh, we are we are zero uh, and one currently. Uh, here has been second one. This action-packed documentary showcases the exciting wo- world of wheelchair rugby. And the rise of an Arctic wolf slash Siberian husky hybrid that, against all odds, becomes the lead sled dog and saves the local children from diphtheria. Well, that's the second part's a true story um, mm-hmm. with Alaska with the big the big sled thing at the end, but it's been told three, Bo- two different times. Both of these things are true stories. The first one is a documentary that involved rugby, wheelchair rugby, wheelchair rug. What? Yeah. What is wheelchair rugby? Yeah, okay, so you know, do you know rugby? I know rugby. Are you aware of wheelchairs? Yes. You play rugby while you are in a wheelchair. <laughs> How's the scrum work? Uh, <laughs> Loudly. Yeah. I wow, that is a big blank slate for me on so that one. This one, this um, is a documentary, believe it or not, that I have seen. Oh, you you hate documentaries. And I hate documentaries. Yeah. I need a hint. The hint is. Alternate title, Homicide Sphere. Homicide Sphere. They're basically giving it to you. Death Star? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. Close. Oh, gosh. I just, I've never heard of a documentary about wheelchair rugby. Well, what's, what's the second movie? Maybe you'll be able to get Se- into get a second it. clue again? Oh, second, second clue is second part of it. The rise of an Arctic wolf slash Siberian husky hybrid that against Balto. all odds. Balto. 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 So something Roller Balto? Not Roller Balto. Murder ball. Murder ball. You remember murder ball? I've never seen murder ball. Yeah, it's it, it's wheelchair rugby, dude. I've you've you know seen the, it. You know the question you just asked me? How does that work? That question made me watch that movie. It's a documentary it's a about documentary wheelchair about, yeah. rugby, yeah. and this was made when? Uh, in, in the two thousands. Oh, of course, yeah. that was tough. Yeah, that was. Some tough. of these are tough, y'all. Okay, this is a hard um, game. So I, hold on. All right, so I will we are one and one. I also so want a card because I wouldn't even get this ever. All right. Well, yeah. then I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna draw one. Yeah. This is a really tough one. I'm gonna draw one to hand it to you. Okay. And then we'll take that one. And mm-hmm. if I don't get this one, okay, we'll move we'll to that use one. That as a saver. Okay. The clue is a struggle. Well, the premise rather, okay. a struggling minor league hockey team unleashes the Hanson brothers, a violent spectacle trio that plans to do a sweet motorcycle jump to raise money so they can save their dad and beat the crap out of him. So, Slap Shahat Rod. That's it. Yes. You got it. I love Slap you Shahat got it. Rod. The reason why we're going to keep the super hard one is in case we need a tiebreaker. Okay. Because if you get this one, we're tied. 
Yeah. So then I'll have to pull another one also, in okay. just in case I do get that one. This is the most exciting thing I've ever done. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. The dude from Quantum Leap teams up with Smoke Show place kicker Kathy Ireland to play an NCAA football team consisting of the dude from Quantum Leap and Smoke Show place kicker Kathy Ireland. That's a lot of Kathy Ireland. Scott Bakula. Um, read to me one more time, please. This one is this one is, is so it, freaking. Right. Is it tough? It's a trick question. Okay. The dude from Quantum Leap teams up with Smoke Show place kicker Kathy Ireland to play an NCAA football team consisting of the dude from Quantum Leap and Smoke Show place kicker Kathy Ireland. That's that's a tricky one. Because which dude from Quantum Leap is it Scott Bakula or is it the other guy? Well, I will give you both of the hints okay. to let you know how this one's going to work. Sinbad is also in this movie. Oh, gosh. The hint is that it is, the, the, the two movies are, actually, it's just one movie this time. They just simply ran the same Is it title. Necessary Roughness? He was in that, and I think Kathy uh-huh. Ireland was, too. I, I am, this is the difficult one. Like I said, well, I just, yeah. I just told you. Sinbad. No, no, no. I, I just accidentally told you how this worked. There's only they're only talking about one movie here. They just said it twice. So it, it is necessary roughness. No. Necessary roughness. Necessary roughness. Really? Yeah. So we're gonna toss that one. <laughs> that we're was a weird that one because that one that one goes against the format. I'm unhappy with that. That's one. a. So yeah, that's a that weird one. That one was one. not fair. I'm gonna give you a different one. This one is not stupid like that. Okay. Matthew McConaughey bets he can make a pretty magazine columnist fall in love with him in a week and a half and race in the Daytona 500 against the dude from the Princess Bride. Yeah. Uh, dude from the Princess Bride, though. Uh-huh. So it's How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days of Thunder? That's correct, yes. Was the Princess Bride guy in Days of Thunder? He was. Carrie Ellis. He was the other. He was the. He was the. Uh, the, that, the Cole Trickle was played by Tom Cruise, and his rival was not Carrie Elwes. No, but Carrie Elwes was brought in he was also in there yes, was he really yes. yes he was i forgot that then all right so Woo! therefore we are tied and um i'm going to attempt to do super hard tiebreaker to beat ben if i do not get the super hard tiebreaker i'll pull one more card <laughs> and he might beat me he may not have size or strength but he has heart and this little fighting irishman will need it to survive a backcountry banjo duel with that local inbred boy okay so we're going to deliverance I've never heard of this first movie. What's the What's the hint? Does it the hint is Samwise Gamgee loves the pigskin. Rude Deliverance. Oh my gosh, that's what it is. I thought because the, the black text was R U. Yeah. So I was like, Rue, what's Rue? Rudy. Rue Deliverance. Rue Deliverance. There you go. Y'all, that is a win. You got it. You that won. Damien won it. Pulled it out. Three awesome. to two. Oh, so close. So, listeners, Rue we want to know, did you enjoy us playing the movie movie game? There are hundreds of more of these cards that we can go through uh, in future episodes. If you didn't like us, like it, let us know as well. And the best way to let us know is on our Facebook page, which is Alan Smithy Film Review. We do have comments turned on on our website, alansmithyfilmreview.com, that I forget to check and approve, so they sit there for months. So Facebook gives me a notification. Please leave your comments on Facebook. Yes. 
Uh, again, that's Alan Smithy Film Review, spelled uh, the hard word, and that, of course, is Smithy, spelled S-M-I-T-H-E-E. Right. Um, review, spelled normally. So Alan Smithy Film Review on Facebook. You can also please tell your friends about us. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. And although I heard Google Podcasts may be closing down. And we're on Spotify. And honestly, Spotify is my preferred way of, uh, of listening to podcasts. But that's just me. Um, ben, is there anything else you want to share? Well, we appreciate friends? listeners giving us some recommendations, Absolutely. right, for 90s films. We may be another micro-review in the next one. But it's yeah. Halloween month now, Damien. October Ooh. 1st. Ooga, booga, booga. Yeah. What scary movie should yeah. we do? I mean, maybe from the 90s scary movie. We'll stick with the 90s thing, right? No, so what? we need to go see Saw 10. No. No, never. <laughs> no, I saw Saw One. Have you seen the Saw movies? Yeah, I've seen Saw One. There you go. With Carrie Elwes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Guy, yeah, the guy from Days of Thunder. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, and Liar Liar. Yeah. Uh, so, is there a '90s ilk movie yeah. that scared you? Mm-hmm. What horror film from the '90s came out that either, either was a horror movie or just so bad that it scared you? Yeah, very true. We want to know. Uh, hopefully, you guys like the micro review. I think that's the best way for us to do this. We had intended to get together uh, life, travel, and sickness. That just doesn't make that happen. So, I still want to do the reviews. I think the micro review is a great way to I do think it. It's fun. Yeah. So again, new format. This was a beta test. We got the big regular review. We had a micro review. Then we had the movie movie game, which we can play until we run out of cards. Um, please let us know on our Facebook, Alan Smithy Film Review, coming to you from the Ford F-150 Studios in beautiful Hickson, Tennessee. I'm Damien. I'm Ben. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Ooh.